Join us now for Health for Life, brought to you by Hamilton Healthcare System. Today, we're talking with Dr. Eric Manahan of Hamilton Physician Group General Surgery in Dalton. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Manahan. Glad to be here. Dr. Manahan is a board-certified general surgeon at Hamilton Physician Group General Surgery. He is also a member of the American Society of Breast Surgeons, a fellow of the American College of Surgeons, and a specialist in the care of benign and malignant disorders of the breast. Hamilton Physician Group General Surgery is located at 1504 Broderick Drive, Dalton. He, Dr. Painter, Dr. Fromm, Dr. Gable, and Dr. Rodriguez provide the latest medical advances in general surgery and personalized care. Dr. Manahan, today we're going to be talking about breast cancer. One in eight women and one in 1,000 men are diagnosed with breast cancer. So most of us have had a friend or family member with the disease. Some of our listeners are breast cancer survivors themselves. But let's start out with the basics. How does breast cancer develop? Breast cancer usually develops either in the lobules of the breast, which make the milk, or the ducts, which take the milk out towards the nipple. So most breast cancer is really an abnormal growth of cells that begin to divide on their own, usually in the ducts. So these cells then grow and multiply and can develop a tumor which could continue to grow and eventually break away to other parts of the body. Does breast cancer cause symptoms? So most of the time, breast cancer symptoms usually don't form until later. So that's why it's really important to get screening mammography. We like to do that beginning at age 40. We like to have a woman to get a baseline screen at age 35 and then yearly screening mammography at age 40 because we know the earlier and smaller that we can get these tumors treated, the better prognosis they have for that patient. Well, are all breast lumps cancer? Thankfully, most lumps are not cancer. They can be cysts, breast densities, or really any type of abnormality, though, still needs to get checked out. So a woman that has the ability to do self-breast examination can detect changes in her breast faster and sooner than really a physician can. So it's very important to do self-breast examination. And again, most of the time, these abnormalities will turn out to be benign. However, they need to get checked out. And that's where it's good to follow up with their local physician or with a surgeon that specializes in breast care. And at what age should a woman have that first mammography? So we like to do screening, one screening mammography at age 35, and then begin yearly at age 40, or 10 years prior to the earliest age of a family member that had been diagnosed with breast cancer. So if a patient had had a family member diagnosed at age 45, then age 35, we would begin to start doing yearly mammography. And if you don't find anything, at least you have a base to look at as the years go by. Is that correct? Correct. What they're really looking for is changes in the mam- in the mammogram, which is why you need to go every year instead of just every four or five years. Yeah, I got you. So yearly is important. Correct. Well, these are good things to know. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking more about the treatment of breast cancer. We'll be right back. Join us on a journey to better health. 
health for life. Simply put, that is why Hamilton Medical Center is here. From primary care and specialty care practices near you, an accredited chest pain center, a certified joint replacement program, a new children's institute, cancer institute, endoscopy center, and more. Hamilton is here for you and your family. Learn more at HamiltonHealth.com. Hamilton Healthcare System, health for life. Welcome back to Health for Life. Today we're talking about breast cancer prevention, detection, and treatment with Dr. Manahan of Hamilton Physician Group General Surgery. Dr. Manahan, you are a general surgeon, so how do general surgeons take care of breast cancer? So most breast cancer across the United States is actually taken care of by general surgeons. One study shows that approximately 50% of all breast cancers are taken care of by surgeons that only take care of really less than five cancers in a year. So it's very important for a patient to seek out surgeons that have a special interest in breast cancer and able to really keep up with the different nuances in the changes of breast cancer surgery and the treatment of breast cancer, which changes very rapidly. And we've made a lot of great changes in breast cancer care over the past 10 years. And it's very difficult to keep up with those nuances. So you really need to search out for someone that really specializes in the treatment. Well, you know, I agree with that. And as you say, things change, technology changes. As a doctor, as a surgeon, how do you keep up with that? Really, I've been interested in breast surgery, and I wanted to provide the same level of care that anyone could achieve at an outside academic institution. So probably about 15 or so years ago, you know, we're all trained in general surgery. We all do breast cancer surgery and training. Again, keeping up with the changes has been really the most difficult part in breast cancer surgery does change over the time. So I became involved in the American Society of Breast Surgeons, and I currently am on the board of directors at the American Society of Breast Surgeons. The American Society of Breast Surgeons. What, what exactly is that, and how do you get involved with the organization? So the American Society of Breast Surgeons, it's a national society. It's made up of over 3,200 surgeons across the United States and over 50 countries internationally. Of course, our specialty and our biggest concern is the American Society of Breast Surgeons, but we have a lot of international members, and that the education level, especially as we've gone virtual internationally has really increased. So we're having a lot more international surgeons to join our society. But I started attending these meetings back probably 15 or so years ago and became more involved and was eventually asked to serve on the education committee for the American Society of Breast Surgeons. One of the things that they do are accrediting academic programs for their breast surgical care. And so I was able to travel around to most of the major medical centers in the United States and were able to evaluate them and really see how they were how they treated breast cancer and how they took care of their patients and how they trained their surgeons. So I then became chairman of that committee. And so right now that fellows education committee is really looking at how do we educate breast surgeons mm -hmm. in the United States. So currently I'd serve on that committee and I also serve on the corporate relations committee for the American Society of Breast Surgeons, and that's all of the companies in the United States are really working hard on that technology and really promoting their technology. And how do we as a society help to incorporate that technology into our care? And how do we then let our members know what, what is good, what is bad, and how do we help these companies make 
better technology for our patients. Once I went from there, I then became involved in the Society of Surgical Oncology, and now I serve on their training committee as well, which is, again, the other national society which accredits these young cancer surgical programs. Eventually, having done all this and spent most of this time, I was asked to serve on the board of directors for the American Society of Breast Surgery, and so we overlook and oversee all of the breast care and the surgeons across the United States, both general surgeons that specialize in breast care and the surgeons that have gone on and done a fellowship in breast surgery. So it's really important to take this patient care very seriously and to reach out and to become educated in your field. Dr. Manahan, I also understand that you may have helped to establish some consensus statements in regards to breast cancer. Yes. So in again, in through the American Society of Breast Surgeons, I was able to chair a committee of national experts to come up with consensus statements on genetic testing. So we essentially decided through a national consensus statement that involved surgeons and oncologists across the nation where we really looked at the genetic makeup of tumors and helped to decide that we think all women diagnosed with breast cancer should be at least discussed with the opportunity for genetic testing. So what we want to do is find out who is at risk for increased risk for developing a cancer that's genetically or inherited. And through the American Society of Breast Surgeons, we were able to come up with this consensus statement that all women diagnosed with breast cancer should be at least evaluated for genetic testing. We also then been working very closely with the National Society of Genetic Counselors to come up and expand opportunities for testing of genetic testing. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the patient risk factors of breast cancer and some of the new treatment options at People's Cancer Institute. We'll be right back. If you're in need of medical care, don't delay. Your health won't wait. Hamilton Medical Center is ready to care for you. We are following CDC guidelines. Patients and guests are screened for COVID-19 symptoms. Those who are suspected to have the virus are treated in a separate area. Plus, Hamilton's high-powered UV light robots eliminate 99.9% of bacteria and viruses on surfaces. Please do not delay medical care. Your health won't wait. As always, Hamilton is here for you. Welcome back to Health for Life. Today we're talking about breast cancer prevention, detection, and treatment with Dr. Manahan of Hamilton Physician Group General Surgery. Dr. Manahan, what are the risk factors for breast cancer? There's two main groups of risk factors for breast cancer. There's the things you can control and the things you can't control. So obviously the things you can't really control are is your family. You can't change your family, so family history is big. Like we spoke before, genetics, which is a truly inheritable breast cancer, is also large. You can't control your age, although some of us would like to. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and whether or not we've had previous uh, radiation treatments. One of the other big risks of breast cancer is really the number of periods that you've had. So some of this can be controlled and not, but we know that the more periods you have, the more likely you are to have developed breast cancer. So women who start menstruating before age 12 or 
who continued menstruating after age 55 or at higher risk, which goes along with pregnancies. Pregnancies will stop menstruation. So the more pregnancies you have has a decreased risk in breast cancer. The, the more pregnancies you've had so the more, decreases. Right. So, so as you become pregnant, you will have less periods. Okay. So that's why essentially you have higher risk of breast cancer if you've had no children or you waited till later in life to become pregnant. Other things that we can control, though, are medicines and hormones. So hormone replacement therapy, we want to have it the shortest amount of time to control symptoms. So it's okay around menopause to be on hormone replacement therapy for four to five years, but we'd like to stop or decrease that after that time period. Obesity and being overweight. So we encourage regular exercise to help decrease really the amount of hormones in your body. So uh, a very active lifestyle and exercise really does help to decrease breast cancer. And alcohol consumption, the more alcohol consumption can be related to breast cancer. So that's a controllable factor as well. Now, how is breast cancer found? We really want to detect it before we can feel it. So we encourage mammography. We also encourage personalized screening of your risk to determine what is your risk level of developing breast cancer in the future. And those that are at significant increased risk can actually undergo a MRI of a breast, which is a, it's a higher sensitive screening test that we use for patients that with significant increased risk of breast cancer. So calculating their risk and finding those women that are increased or at an increased risk to undergo yearly MRI in addition to mammography is very important. The other types, again, self-breast exam, which we spoke about early, is very important in helping determine whether or not someone has a change in their breast that can be detected a lot of times before even imaging or a physician can detect on an exam. And in the end, if we do find an abnormality, then a biopsy really is the only way to confirm that cancer is present. We can usually do that in the office with a needle which sounds horrible, but really it's just that numbing medicine that actually causes the discomfort. And then we can take a little sample of of a piece of breast tissue that we can send off to determine if it has any signs of cancer in it. Well, if if you do find cancer there, how is breast cancer treated? So this is where the biggest changes have happened across the past 10 years. Breast cancer is usually treated in some sort of combination with surgery, radiation, and medicines, which would be hormone or chemotherapy. And so previously or in the past, surgery always happened up front. So we would take a tumor out and then we would send a patient over to the oncologist and determine whether or not they needed chemotherapy. Now we like to determine whether chemotherapy is needed up front. If a patient needs chemotherapy and we know that up front, we like to be able to give that first rather than surgery. What that does is it gives us the ability to see what is happening with a tumor in the body so we can see the response to that chemotherapy. I always tell patients our prayers are for pathologic complete response, and that is we send a patient which could have a very sizable breast cancer up to five, six, seven centimeters, which, you know, baseball size tumors, and you give them chemotherapy and you watch them go completely away. And Then at that point, after all the treatments, we take a patient to surgery and we take out whatever may be left of the tumor. And what we really want is 
in the pathology to specimen to have no tumor remaining. And that's a pathologic complete response. So pathologic complete response is great. We know those patients will do better with their treatment. So again, breast cancer treated with surgery, radiation, and some sort of medicines, chemotherapy, and it's just determining the right order. And that's what's determined. Another option is we have patients all the time come in and say, well, my friend had this or my friend had that or Three or four years ago, they did this. I think it's very important for patients to reach out to people that have gone through breast cancer treatments. But as we continue to get better and better with 220,000 women every year being treated with breast cancer, things have changed. Like I said, the order has changed. Do you need radiation? Do you need chemotherapy? We find out now um, with some of our genomic studies even that a lot less people really need chemotherapy. And one of the advances lately is we've determined who needs chemotherapy. So one of those advances is now we give chemotherapy knowing it's going to help many more people and we can avoid chemotherapy in patients where we don't feel that it'll be a benefit. So that is really helpful in the latest treatment of breast cancer. We're talking with Dr. Manahan about breast cancer today on Health for Life. And uh, I have a question for you. How often is treatment for breast cancer successful? So we like to find it before it has had an ability to spread. And so, again, these new, these personalized treatments of breast cancer, even for larger tumors, has made prognosis much better. But again, we like to find it when it's small and not spread. It has a very good treatment outcome. We're going to talk about family history now. If you have a family history of breast cancer, are you necessarily more at risk of getting breast cancer? So we know most breast cancer is not hereditary. There's only about 10% of true breast cancer that is a hereditary cancer that is passed down from a family member to another family member. Those are those inheritable genes that we what we have identified over time. The biggest ones being BRCA1 and BRCA2 are the two big ones that most people have heard of. Again, we know that people that have a family history of breast cancer are at an increased risk just based upon the similar genetics, but truly hereditary cancer, which we have determined those genes and passed on, are what we really want to find out. Most breast cancer is what we'd call sporadic, and it just we just don't know why that, that that person developed breast cancer. But the truly inheritable genetic causes, again, being BRCA1 or BRCA2, are what we really want to identify as well as some others. So we like to do genetic testing, again, like we said before, on all women that's developed breast cancer or people that have had a history of ovarian cancer in their family or younger people that are not affected and have younger family members that have had breast cancer in the past or ovarian cancer. Again, pancreatic cancer. Those are some of the cancers that we like to find and determine whether or not this is a genetic abnormality that is causing these cancers. And we are able to do that at People's Cancer Institute or in our office where we can help either determine it's either a spit test or a blood draw. We can do one or the other to help send that off and find out if a person really needs genetic testing. And then if they do, we can get that sent off so we can then maybe help determine how we can prevent someone from getting cancer or what we can do to decrease the risk or what kind of increased screening we may need to have. 
Well, now, Dr. Manahan, you just mentioned People's Cancer Institute. Tell our listeners about People's Cancer Institute. Well, I can say that we're very proud of People's Cancer Institute at Hamilton. It was open in January of 2020. And essentially, it's a building that houses everything that we need. So there's medical oncologists, radiation oncologists, there's diagnostic and interventional treatments, and a state-of-the-art cancer treatment and fusion center that is really just beautiful and, again, accredited by the Commission on Cancer. So it's, a, again, we have everything you need in one location. It's state-of-the-art, great imaging, great technology, great treatment options, as well as great people that work there. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the advanced services that are offered at People's Cancer Institute. We'll be right back. Join us on a journey to better health. Health for life. Simply put, that is why Hamilton Medical Center is here. From primary care and specialty care practices near you, an accredited chest pain center, a certified joint replacement program, a new children's institute, cancer institute, endoscopy center, and more. Hamilton is here for you and your family. Learn more at HamiltonHealth.com. Hamilton Healthcare System. Health for life. Welcome back to Health for Life today, talking with Dr. Manahan. Dr. Manahan, what are some of the surgical treatments for breast cancer? Surgery is, again, a standard of all, essentially all breast cancer. The timing is where we change things around. Now, if they have chemotherapy first, we call that neoadjuvant chemotherapy, and we do that first, and then we do surgery. Or we sometimes will go directly into surgery, especially if we found it early and it's a tumor that's not necessarily going to require chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. So we'll either remove just the tumor itself, which is called a lumpectomy or breast conserving therapy. And I'm a big proponent of breast conserving surgeries. So a lumpectomy can be performed as an outpatient. It's very well tolerated by the patient. It's not like a big abdominal surgery where we have to go through the muscles. It's fairly superficial. We can do what's called oncoplastic surgery in which we are rearranging the breast tissue so as to not leave a defect. We've gotten much better over the years of trying to improve our surgical techniques so that when we remove a breast cancer, we can fill in the defect area with extra breast tissue from elsewhere in the breast so that a defect's not left. So the goal is for really the goal that I have for all patients is not to know we were ever there. So we want to be able to get the tumor out without very minimal distortion to the breast. There is also some women that require a mastectomy, whether it's either for prophylaxis, whether it's for increased uh, genetic risk, or just based on the size of the tumor, in which now we do what's called a nipple sparing mastectomy. So we will preserve the nipples and do all of the surgery, typically from the inframammary fold or from a spot underneath the breast so that you can't see that scarring. We've had very successful surgical outcomes. It does not change the oncological outcome. So again, we want the oncology, we want to treat the cancer and make sure that that's treated. But then cosmetically, we've had some great cosmetic results in the mastectomy and treatment with reconstruction in nipple sparing or uh, mastectomies. We've kind of moved from skin sparing where we would remove the nipple and do the surgery from that to now preserving the nipple for a better cosmetic outcome. We look at the lymph nodes underneath the arm always, typically either through what we call a sentinel lymph node biopsy in which we just 
inject some dye or some radioactive material. So we find the first one or two or three lymph nodes that may be involved so that we don't have to do a full axillary dissection and remove all the lymph nodes underneath the arm. And that really cuts down on the risk of lymphedema or swelling in the arm by removing just those lymph nodes. Dr. Manahan, thank you so much for sharing all of this important information. If you could leave our listeners with one word of advice about their health, what would that be? Pay attention to your breast health. Get your mammograms. For more information or an appointment at Hamilton Physician Group General Surgery, call 706-278-6403 or visit hamiltonhealth.com surgery. Information on People's Cancer Institute can be found at hamiltonhealth.com cancer and mammogram appointments can be made at 706-272-6565. Thank you for listening to Health for Life, a presentation of Hamilton Healthcare System. 